If you missed the men's breakfast, you might want to check it out online. You know, just go to victorylafayette.org, find our media page. Uh, it's up online, and you can listen to uh, my boy, uh, Daniel, as he shared a little bit at the men's breakfast. It's, uh, it's good to have children who serve the Lord. Speaking of one who didn't serve the Lord, <laughs> it's really good <laughs> to know he's not doing the things I was doing. So uh, it was good. He shared a little bit about being led by the Holy Spirit and uh, about giving and uh, some things that had touched his heart, you know, and when... When I came into his room, you know, I wanted to check on him, make sure he was all right, going through some things, and he had his little notes out there, and he was, he was going through things that he'd written down in services, you know, and picking out the things that people had said, and so, I mean, he's, he's getting it, and, uh, you know, he talked about that class that uh, I prayed, and I shared this in the, in the thing yesterday in the men's breakfast, Determining the Divine Direction is a VBI class that we teach, and it really, it, it talks about and shares uh, how, to, how to be led by the Spirit of God, how, how the Holy Spirit leads us. We talk about all the things. And, and if you were here in, in April, those three Wednesday nights I shared in April, you can go online. Probably They're still probably up there. But that's about six of the nine classes I taught them on, on, in April. So we went through a bunch of them. But uh, a couple years ago, we were doing it live. And Brandon was a full-time student at the time. And, and I had felt to have some of these young people who were graduating and getting ready to, or had graduated uh, high school come and take that class on a Tuesday night at like 7 or 8 o'clock or something. I mean, it was crazy time, you know, and I was, I went back and forth, and I, I haven't really had that, you know, I've asked, God's told me to ask somebody to take a class or tell somebody this is a class you need to take, and, but this was like asking all these kids to come and sacrifice their time, and I really had a, a, a real urgency in my heart to do it, and so I said, oh, okay. So, you know, I, I approached them, and, and, you know, Caitlin was there, I think, some, and Alicia and Mal, and Daniel was there, and Brandon and some others, and, you know, some didn't come, and, but, but some did, and, uh, he goes back to that in his life now, and when he shared on that breakfast that morning, he shared that, you know, that class really began to open up his eyes, that he has to begin to learn to holy, hear the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit for himself. You know, and I've shared many times, you know, in raising them that we've kind of got to that point where he doesn't necessarily get a yes or no from me. He gets the old, what's your spirit saying? You know, what's the Lord speaking to you? And it wasn't necessarily comfortable for him, and that's just like growth for any of us. But uh, he's learning, and it was a real blessing for me to be a part of that. He's got great parents, and uh, he's got a great church family. Who uh, <laughs> I meant to say grandparents. He's got great grandparents. <laughs> of course he's got great parents. <laughs> if you'll turn to Joel this morning, this isn't in your, uh, this isn't in your list uh, of your, your stuff that you're going through. I wanted to read this uh, to you. You know, this is a time, and I shared on Wednesday night and have shared with the young people over in Alive, Elizabeth and I, that, you know, it's a, it's a season of growth. Summertime, you know, sometimes can be a season of just like kicking back and not doing anything. But I really felt to share and shared on Wednesday night last week about peace in the midst of growth, that there is growth. And this summertime is a great time. And, and the, the example that God gave me was I was driving uh, down the street and I looked over at the corn. And it was just like two little ears just sticking up like bunny ears out of the ground. That's all it was. It was only just a few inches high. And I drove by, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. And it was like May 31st. And then God spoke to me and said, by the end of July, that's going to be taller than anybody you know. And I thought, yeah, that's true. The corn grows up like that fast in two months. And then he began to speak to me about growth. And if you, if you will take the word that God's speaking to you, if you'll take the things that he's asked you to do, if you'll begin to apply them, if you'll seek after him in these two months like you never have before, if you say, God, I want to do everything that you have for me, he, he will take you from that little bitty thing with the two ears, taller and bigger and, and greater than you've ever imagined you could be. It says, you know, in Ephesians 3.20 that he'll, he'll do all of those things greater than you can ask, hope, or think. 
And, and if we'll allow him to do that, he will. But I know some people are sitting in a place and you, and you, you think growth is great, but I've just been devastated. You know, but God is a God of restoration. And in Joel, there's, here's, this is where many of us find ourselves at times. What if the chewing locust left, the swarming locust is eaten? <laughs> what the swarming locust left, the crawling locust is eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust is eaten. You know, I mean, like everything is taken away. And you've been, you know, you just barely made it into this place today. Or you just barely found us online. You're just barely saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go. I've lost my job. I don't have anywhere to turn. I don't know what's going on. The devil's kicked me around. He's stolen from me. I've gone down the wrong path. Whatever that might be, this could be you. And you can read through here because it's, it's, a, it's a devastating thing if you go all the way through verse 12. I mean, it's all the things that, that, you know, are bad. In verse 10, it says, The field is wasted, the land mourns, for the grain is ruined, the new wine is dried up, and the oil fails. You know, then it goes on, The vine is dried up in verse 12, and the fig tree is withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also. That's bad. The palm trees are withered. In Florida, that's where we sat under, and they cut them all down, didn't they? I got no trees. I am not. I told my mom, if I get there and whiff oil, I'm getting back on the plane and I'm coming home. I've had, I've had all those things. I've had bulldozers and trees cut down, and we've had red tide, and we've had tropical storms, and every time I go there, has been something else. And uh, if I smell oil, that is it, baby. I'm on the plane. I'll be here on Wednesday. But if, if you keep reading, you can't stop there. And in your life, I think sometimes believers stop there. You know, when everything is done and everything is withered and nothing is working and everything is bad, believers sometimes just say, fine then. And then they coast into this nothingness for a while. Where believers, we're supposed to be the ones who can stand up at that point, raise our head. You know, the older you fall, you shall arise. You raise your head and you say, that's not the case. We're binding that. Energy. Remember, you're beginning to speak the word. We're beginning to See, but if you're prepared and you're a believer and you know the word, then you know what to say. You know what to do. You've been through all these classes. You've been going to VBI. You've been hanging out here in church. You know Pastor Bill. You know Pastor Pam. You've been, and, and all those things come out of you. Because in, in, in chapter 2, if you go there in Joel, in verse 21, this is, this is the jump up and down sign. It says, fear, the, fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. And there's all that devastation that's been happening maybe in your lives. But fear not, the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. He will pour it out. And you go back in there, it talks about in verse 25, I will restore to you the years. I will restore to you the years. And if that's you today and you've had years stolen from you, take that word. I mean, that will like refresh you. That'll take those old dry up wine skins and it'll make them brand new if you let that word soak onto the inside of you. That he will restore to you those years that the locusts have taken. That, you know, it's all of them. The swarming, the crawling, the consuming, the chewing, you know, all of those. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied in verse 26 and praise the name of the Lord your God. Then it says in verse 27, then you'll know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Then it goes on and it's the, it's the reference in Joel that, that Peter talked about at, at, at Pentecost, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit came and he begins to prophesy that and then Peter began to speak on that. He is a restoring God and he is the God of growth. We used our example was the disciples on Wednesday night because they, they were always a mess. They were growing. They were a work in progress just like us. And I think sometimes because we read through Acts and we read the places and we, we, we tend to focus for the disciples and the, we focus on the places where they did well. 
you know, where they were part of what was going on. And, you know, we don't necessarily always say Peter, you know, did all those things and, and, and you know, neglected Jesus three times and rejected him and all that kind of We don't always go there. We always, you know, tend to focus on the good things that they did. But you have to realize these guys were normal, everyday Joes just like you and me. They had jobs. They didn't come out of seminary. They didn't, they didn't go to a, you know, they didn't have VBI. You know what I mean? They didn't do any of those kind of things. They were just dudes who were introduced to Jesus, God in the flesh, and the power of the Holy Spirit was transferred from him to them when he died and went to, and then they began to work that thing out in their life. But up until that point, they were with him all the time, and he was constantly saying, come on, guys. Can you not get it together? Have faith. Come on. What did he, he did that all the time. First, he fed all those thousands of people, and then the next time it happened again, they came right back to him. I mean, that's about the time to lay them out. Give me some new ones. You know, obviously, you didn't see all those 5,000 that were fed men with all their women and children over that little basket, and now all of a sudden, we're going to do the next group. And you, look, just copy, you know, do something. I'm, I love to copy. I'll, I'll steal from anybody. But, you know, something, you know, you've got to do something, fellas. And they come back to Jesus like the same thing. And I'm sure that could be a little bit annoying at times. But Jesus didn't stop pouring into them, and they didn't stop growing. Your pastors aren't stopping pouring into you, but you can't stop growing. The most frustrating thing from a teacher's standpoint is when a student won't apply the things that they know. I'll help anybody who doesn't know what to do. But if you know the things to do and you just refuse to do them, my hands are tied. I can't do a lot with that. I've had students that are like that all the time. You know, I can ask them what to do, or if I say, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next, they write them all down, but they won't do it themselves. And that becomes frustrating as a teacher. From a pastor's standpoint, it's the same thing with the sheep. We're not those sheep. We're the sheep that are saying, Pastor Pam, guess what God's doing in my life? Pastor Pam, I need you to agree with me because I need God to come through in this area. I know he's going to. So, yeah, that's, man, we're growing, and we're going to the next thing. So we need to be constantly headed that way because all things, anything is possible if you can believe. And if you look in your, in your, in your Bible and you go to, to Mark in chapter 11, we don't, know, we don't need scoffers, doubters, we don't know hypocrites, we've got none of that we need. In Mark, you know, this is the, the story in Mark chapter 11, you know, where the, this is another time with the disciples, man, they were just, you know, they were amazed and astonished. They'd seen Jesus do all these things, and then every time he's done something, they're amazed. Or every time he asked them to do something, they say, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? They, they, they're growing. And it's the same thing for us. But, it, you know, this was the lesson of the fig tree. And really, we, we concentrate on these last few verses that say in verse 22, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We focus on that part. What we forget is this beginning part where Jesus spoke to the fig tree. They came back the next day and it was withered. You know, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't going to bear fruit because Jesus said, no fruit will ever come from you again. And it, it died up. And they came back and said, Master, teacher, check it out. The thing that you said came to pass. And that's when he said, fellas, have faith in God. I don't know. I mean, he may have said, have faith in God, boys. I don't know what he did. But I've put myself in that position, and I would say, seriously. F-A-I-T-H. Faith. The things that you speak, if you believe them, you will receive them. I mean, that's, you know, now he probably didn't do that. You know, he's probably really good. Say, hey, fellas, let me just tell you, come sit down here. Guys, gotta have faith in God. You know, now he may have done that. 
But I've been the disciples. I've been the one who said, come on, God, this ain't going to work. I got to do what? No, that's not going to happen. You know, I mean, I, I've been them. And he's been patient with me. Sometimes it's a little more crisp than others. But he's been, he's been, for the most part, quite patient with me and with you. But the idea that we have to see here is that when, when you begin to speak, when you begin to believe, when you get in line with, see, this wasn't just some something. This was the Son of God who was speaking those things. If you can get in line with his will for your life, if you can begin to speak those things into existence, even though it doesn't even sound normal, even though it's, oh, it might even be crazy to you, but you begin to speak those things, begin to act on the word, begin to do all of that, it says you will receive. You will grow. I mean, it's in there. It's true. We understand that we're born again. I can't take that away from you. It's in the Word of God. It says so. Well, how do you know? I don't know. I just believe that I am. It's true. Okay, well, so is this. You can't pick it apart and say, I believe one part, not the other part. But we as believers sometimes put more credence and more faith in one part than we do the other part. But if you'll put the same faith in this that you put in your salvation, your life will be dramatically changed and transformed. For sure. The word believe means to trust in, to have faith in, to be fully convinced of. You've heard me say that and teach that. Faith really, truly, in its, in its basic parts, is believe. We are believers. That means we have trust in. We have faith in. We are fully convinced of. What? That God will do what he said. What he promised me. Well, now here's the question that I asked everybody on Wednesday night. It makes you very uncomfortable. You don't have to share this with anybody. I'm not asking you to do that. But if you can't answer this question, then there's some soul searching that needs to go on. I'm right there with you. But what is God speaking to you right now for this season of your life? What is he challenging you with? How is he asking you to grow in your life? What is he asking you to sacrifice or give up? What is he asking you to change? What part of scripture is he sharing with you and teaching and expounding on? What are those things in your life that you're growing in in Christ? And if you're looking at me going, I don't know, that's an issue. I'm not saying you've got to vocalize it with somebody. You don't have to tell. I'm not saying that. I don't want to make you nervous and say, okay, stand up. I'm taking the mic around. But if you don't know that, if you don't have an inkling of those kind of things, then that means you've stopped growing. It may not be happening right now, but you know that God's working on it on the inside of you. It's that same thing that you keep hearing. It's that same thing that you keep feeling. It's that same thing that you keep seeing on TV. It's the same thing that comes in an email. It's got all those things in Those are the things God's sharing with you and God's growing you in. In Mark chapter 9, 20 through 24, it's the story of uh, the centurion. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong one. I haven't got there yet. Uh, chapter 9 is, is uh, the young man who was demon-possessed. And the, the, the dad came to Jesus and said, could you please help us? And in verse 23, it says, well, I guess verse 22, it says, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if... Whew. But if you can do anything, Jesus. I mean, if there's anything possible, if you know anybody, you know, could you call them? If you got any friends that could help us out, you know, hey, Jesus, you know, uh, your disciples were here, nothing's going on, nothing's happening. You know, if, if, if there's any chance you could do something. Sometimes the believers, you know, we present ourselves to the Father, we present ourselves to Jesus saying, hey, man, if you could help me out here. Jesus says that we're his children, and we, we can begin to, to, to speak the word and believe the word. And, and, and it's not a question of Jesus' authority and power in this situation. It, it's the guy's heart. See, when he comes to Jesus, what he said, yeah, if you could help me out, man, that'd, I mean, I'd really appreciate it. 
He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He said, hey, buddy, let me just, it's not me, it's you. And this, this harkens a little bit and kind of dovetails a little bit with the message that Terry Henshaw spoke on that Wednesday night a couple weeks ago here. If you haven't listened to that, jump online and get that too. That thing will rock your world and change your life. And I'm going to steal from that all the way through here. So you may not have to when I'm done. But it says immediately, Terry won't care. Immediately the father of the, of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. He was presented with the truth and he received it. He didn't say, well, I'll go check it out. He didn't say, let me get online and see what's going on. Something on the inside of him when Jesus said that sparked. And he said, I believe, I believe that it's true. And then it said, you know, Jesus did all the things and it all came out and it was all taken care of. But see, it's this belief thing. If you will believe, he will empower you. Terry said that on Wednesday night, that Wednesday night. If you can believe God, he will empower you. Many people don't believe God because they can't figure out how it's going to get done. They can't believe God because they can't see a way or make a way. But if you will believe God, he will make a way. I shared in that message a couple weeks ago, Terry shared me that, that the 99 thing, seven years ago on a plane. Seven, eight years ago, man. I mean room by room by room, and he talked to me like it was, I was going to get off the plane and see it. Seven years ago. He's only been doing it now for like a year and a half. But seven years ago, he was rehearsing, and he was speaking, and he was saying this is what's going to happen, just like it it was. And then you're going to go into this next room. That's going to be a great room. There's going to be this car crash, and all these people. I mean, room by room by room. Now, how did he do that? God had given him a plan. God had spoken into his heart. Now, he could have said, ain't no way. That's never going to happen. But he, he put himself, he said, in position to see God move. And by faith, he began to rehearse that, began to believe it in his heart, began to speak it out of his mouth. And that thing exists now. I mean, it's God's will, it's God's plan, but if that guy wouldn't have hooked up with it, who knows what would have happened. But he did. He wasn't going to be this guy who was in unbelief. Obstacles will always arise for you, though. You may say, ah, that's great, man, but you don't know what's going on. Dude, we all got them. We all got them. I just wrote on my offering envelope what I'm believing for. I'm planting more seed. I mean, I, you know, Rachel decided she wants to go to school at Purdue this year. Awesome. That's another $1,800. Racked up with Daniel's 45 for the semester. So, you know, Carl, Julia, hop on board, baby. Praise God. Carl, can you adopt my kids for just these last couple of years while they're in school so they can get half, half tuition? I started looking at that bill. That's $6,300 by August. Praise God. He's come through for two years. He gave us a word years ago that said, you believe and you speak that God will make a way where there is no way. And so for two, you know, for two years leading up to Daniel going to school, three years, we began to speak that. Didn't know, just planted seed. Because, man, I'm telling you what, my 20 bucks wasn't going anywhere towards that. So I might as well give it to God see what he can do, man. So I'm like planting more seed than we've ever planted and giving more than we've ever given and said, God, I mean, I am putting myself out here and I am facing a wall and I got to see you come through. Praise God. I don't know how, but you got to come through for me. And you know what? He has. So now we've just upped the ante a little bit. <laughs> come on, God. I believe it. I believe it. I'm speaking it. I'm not changing my confession. I'm not changing what God said. God's going to make a way where there is no way. These kids are going to get through and they're going to get out and things are going to be all right for them. 
Because they're God's kids. We've been given. We've been planting seed. The windows of heaven open above my house, and he is pouring out a blessing that we cannot contain. That is That's the right. truth of the word of God. That's right. I'm not, I'm not just, just some special dude, man. That's the same for each and every one of us. But you've got to put yourself where you're believing and you're pulling on those things because obstacles arise. I was, you know what happens? It grows your faith. Because I was getting almost comfortable in myself believing for that 4500 bucks for Daniel each semester. I was almost getting to the point where I, you know, I wasn't necessarily writing it on my envelope every day like I was. You know, I mean, I, I just I started thinking, you know, it's two years, man. God's been good. You know, I've been giving God the glory, but I've been thinking, hey, that's all right. Two more years? Whew, yeah, we can do this. God says, okay, we'll tack on a little bit more. Now, can you do that? Oh, that's unbelievable. You know, I can't possibly do that. But God can. He just said, Johnny, come on, buddy. You've got to increase your faith. Yeah. Oh, again? <laughs> again? Obstacles arise. Joseph had a dream, and he was thrown in a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown in jail. He was forgotten by the butcher and the baker. All of those things happened, but he didn't stop believing. In his head, I can see it. He's, he's still meditating the dream that he had in his heart. He's not giving up on the things that God told him he would do. He always had favor in the place that he was. See, that's that thing that says even if you're sitting in the middle of the desert, if you're trusting God, that's how I know he's trusting God. Because if, in Jeremiah it says in 17 that if you will trust in the Lord, then, then even in the midst of the tumbleweeds and the desert and everything else, there will be water and there will be fruit and there will be provision for you. And where he was, he was always raised to the top. And there was provision and there was things for him and everybody was taking care of him and watching over him. And it says everything is hand-touched prospered. So he did not give up on God or else he wouldn't have prospered. Even in the midst of something that said, what? I mean, he's got some chick running around chasing him. Potiphar's wife. And he's running around going, no, no way. Get away from me. And so she gets mad and says, he, right, he tried to rape me. I mean, oh, come on. He ends up in jail. In jail. And then, then these two guys, they're going to help him out. Hey, hey, don't forget me. Whatever, dude. <laughs> they go out and they forget him. One dies, you know. He's not going to forget, you know, he's probably not happy with him. But the other guy who lived, you know, he, he didn't remember him. But then there came a moment when, when, when Pharaoh had a dream. And the guy goes, there's this dude. I knew him in jail. We get that story sometimes, you know, here when we're helping people. But I knew him in jail. And, 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 and he interpreted my dream. We'll go, we'll go get him and see at the right time, in the right moment, things opened up. But because he had positioned himself in faith, because he hadn't given up on God, because he didn't take all the stuff that was happening and allow that to influence him, he took what he knew in his heart God had promised him and he let that influence him. See, he was ready at that moment and poof, he poofed on the scene. Right there. I mean, you can go through the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, those dudes, man, they were, they were like, I ain't bound down to nothing. We're throwing you in the furnace. Whatever. Let's go. Maybe they're in their bathing suits. I don't know. But, I mean, they threw them in. I mean, these guys are the guys who, who you know, Daniel, he was the guy who was doing it all, and he was kind of getting the guy. You know, I mean, everything was all right. Nebuchadnezzar kind of liked him, and all of his buddies are getting thrown in the fire. Then all that comes out, and then Daniel ends up in the lion's den. God takes care of that. I mean, like, these guys are doing what God asked them to do, and they're seeing obstacles arise all over. But because they don't give up and they don't give in and they don't bow down and they don't pick up the thought and they don't recite the negative, they don't start talking about crazy stuff, they stayed true to the word of God because their hand always prospered. They were true to the word of God. He delivered them in that time. Always rose them to the top. 
Peter and John were just at the gate, right? And they give the guy no alms. We're going to give you Jesus. And he says, boom, they rip him up. All of a sudden, he's not lame anymore. He can walk. Silver and gold I don't have, but such that I have, I give you. And poof, up he comes. I'm sure there was a little rejoicing at the moment. I mean, think about that. Some dude that doesn't walk just jumps up and starts doing a little jig. Everybody's excited. The power and presence of God's on the scene. Things are moving in their life. They just got all these people saved, these thousands of people, you know. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff is happening. And they say, whoa, hold on. We're going to throw you guys in jail because you can't speak Jesus' name no more. What did they say? Okay. <laughs> they didn't say that. They said, give us more boldness, Lord, that I can speak his name even more. Boldness. That's what we used to say in children's church. We got all the little kids. It's great when you got like 30 little kids and they all go, boldness. <laughs> See, they didn't back down. They, they were bold. I was talking to a kid who teaches, you know, and there are teachers here. And, you know, I don't teach anymore, so I say what I want now. But, you know, they said, oh, you know, if I just, you know, been in that public school, man, you just can't, you know, you can't talk about Jesus. You can't do this. And I said, who said that, dude? Right. Right. Uh, I did it all the time. What? You had a job? Yeah, they like me, too. I didn't even have problems. No, I didn't go up and down the hall throwing out Gideon Bibles, you know, and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know. But if a kid comes and he's sitting there and he's going through something, I sure took the moment after class, or I sure took the time and the opportunity that was given to me to speak into their life and say, hey, buddy, it's all right. Things can change. I had parents come that I didn't even have their students come to my, my table at parent-teacher conference in tears and say, I need help. I hear you're a youth pastor. Now, that's a great opportunity to say, um, maybe if you come to church on Wednesday, we can talk about that. Here's my number. And a couple Kleenexes. Come on, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're dripping. Let's just, you know, shh. You can't do that. You reach across the table and take their hand and say, you know what? It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. God's going to give you wisdom as to what to do with your kid, how to teach your kid, how to train your kid, how to fix your kid. God's going to be the one that does it. We'll pray for you. They fire you, you'll get another job. You had one when you lost that one. It's all right. God will take care of you. If you do something, if somebody fires you and you're doing what God told you to do, don't worry about it. That's a promotion. That's not a demotion. It's all right. I don't teach anymore. But here's the good news. Okay, the bad news is the devil hates you. The good news is the word always overcomes. Amen. See, in those situations that you find yourself. Now, I'm not saying go off and be some crazy heretic out there throwing off revelation and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You be led by the Spirit of God. Because there's, there's all these kids that are coming in the class. I could pray for all of them all day long. We'd never get any math done. That's how my Christian education went. We found out the teachers that if we had enough prayer requests, we could pray almost the entire hour. So we believed in the rainforest. We were praying for everything that we could think of. And we'd all eat, eat, we would each take hand, or take turns each day. And then we'd stand up, didn't we, Lord? I mean, it was great, man. You had a couple of those teachers, man, you could start pulling on their heartstrings, and they'd pray for hours. <laughs> oh, we can't take the test today. Oh, but praise God, people in the rainforest are healed. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be focused. It's not like that anymore. That's the way it was in the old days. <laughs> I can't spell, and there's a reason. <laughs> but I can preach, so that's all good. Amen. Filling out a kid's graduation card, and I had to, like, 
Rachie, she gets A's in honors English, and so I'm filling out the graduation card, and I'm asking her how to spell the words. Have you ever got, like, halfway through a sentence and then had to change your thought because you don't know how to spell that word? <laughs> I mean, I get going, and I go, oh, great. Now I've got to start thinking up another... People where I read my cards and go, this guy's nuts. No, I can't spell. But see, here's the deal. It's true. If I was good at math, I have no idea how that happened. I was the only kid in calculus class in high school. I was in a study hall. I did it for a, for a half a semester, and finally I said, I can't do this anymore. My old buddy wanted to come with me, but I cheated him all the way through Algebra 2 in, pre- in pre-calculus. So there was only I said, look, dude, it's me and you. He's going to know. Okay? I mean, you know, if it's just you and I, I, I can't pull that off. So it's a great thing, you know, if you have tiled floors, you know, you ABC tests, you can put your feet where you want, you know, your answers to be, and you can kind of go along your tests, and everybody can. Anyway, we got carpet at Harrison, so you can't do that, but. My buddy Jim needed help. I loved him, man. I was there for him. Rock solid. Here's the thing. You got to be, <laughs> you got to be built on a found, firm foundation. Here's the whole thing. All of this is taken into consideration. The word is going to overcome all those obstacles if you know the word. But, man, I'm telling you what, the devil comes storming in your house and you picking this Bible up and going, ah, and just throwing it at him. That is not going to do anything. I mean, you got to, it says that the violent taken by force, it says that you're going to speak the word. Now I know what Pastor Bill feels when he gets ready to go to Florida. Man, you can say whatever you want now, man. I don't care. I'm going to be gone in a couple hours. But it says in Matthew chapter 7 that a house that's built on a firm foundation when the wind comes and the rain comes and all those things happen, that it doesn't fall, that it stands. But the one that's built on a shaky foundation on the sand and the silt and all those things, when the rain comes, we're all in the same storm. But see, that's why you look over and somebody was here for three weeks and all of a sudden they weren't here anymore. They've been hanging out here for a couple years and you've been hanging out here with them and you came about the same time and maybe you've been talking to them and all of a sudden they just disappeared. What happened? They weren't building a firm foundation. Maybe they were for a little while, but then they started getting chintzy. And they stopped putting in the sacrifice, stopped putting in the time. So now it was kind of on firm foundation here, but that next level of stuff is kind of built on some wood and some sand maybe, and then, you know, just grass and whatever. The storm came and it wiped them out. The word will overcome if you're built on a firm foundation. But you are an overcomer. God said so. John 16, says, In the world you'll have tribulation, but, but have joy, have peace in me. He says, These things I've spoken to you that in me. You may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, even in the midst of tribulation. Why? Because you're on a firm foundation. You know why the church is scared to death? Because they know it's in the closet. Wow, that got quiet. We were laughing there for a minute. Now, that's the truth. If you got stuff in the closet, it's time to not come out of the... Whatever, man. You got to like, get it all swept out. I guess come out of the closet, too. Whatever, man. It's all good. That's a demon deal. That's, it'll all come out. But it, you, 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 that's what the church doesn't get excited about this. They know it's true, but nobody wants to get excited because they know it's in their closet. It says that I'm an overcomer. It says I'm victorious. It says I can stand on the rocks. It says I can do all this kind of stuff. You look out at your house, man, and it's not even on bricks. It's like half on this and half on that, and it's shaky ground. The closet's full of all kinds of crazy stuff, and you're just trying to hold it together enough in the Word that, you know, you don't die. Well, all right, but there's a whole lot more out there for you. It says you're of God, it says in, John, in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God and overcome because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have to remain steadfast. Steadfast means firmly fixed in place, not subject to change. 2 Corinthians 15, 58. Forget about 57. And if you don't get 58, 57 is useless. 
You know, it's 1 Corinthians 15, sorry. Sandy wasn't around to proof all my notes like she normally does. She calls me all the time and says, did you mean to put in that scripture that says, uh, no. <laughs> and they walked from there to there. And I'm like, no, that wasn't it. Find it for me, if you will. I'm all alone. I don't do well alone. My wife's not with me. She's gone. Hi, honey. I hope you're listening to this tomorrow. She left yesterday. She asked me about a month ago, hey, would you mind? I know you have to preach Sunday, and you know you have to kind of get through the beginning of the week there. Would you mind if I just took the kids and left a little early and went to see my sister and my niece and do some stuff? And I said, well, how am I going to get to Florida? You know, I mean, nobody's around. And you take the car. She goes, well, you could fly. Oh, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> no problem. Oh, honey, you sure about that? <laughs> I'm on the line. I got tickets already done. But then there was the kicker. You can bring all the camp children. Yes! Where's Annabelle? She disappeared. Annabelle's pumping it up. Right here, Annie. Way to go, baby. I got all the camp children. No peanuts, no nothing. We got a little white suit for Jack. Hopefully they make it okay. But 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Steadfast means to be firmly fixed in place. You've heard me teach this, not subject to change. Immovable is firmly fastened to and unyielding. So if you put all those together, it says, Therefore, be firmly fixed in place, not subject to change, while you're firmly fastened and unyielding, always abound in the work of the Lord. That's powerful. That's good stuff. That's important. That's, but if it says before there, woo, yeah, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Yeah, but you receive the victory and you hold on to the victory by doing this. I mean, we all get the victory. It's just whether you're going to live it and have it in your life. And you all do. You want that, no doubt. Resist the enemy. Resist, resist him and you will overcome. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist him, it says, steadfastly in the faith. In 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him steadfastly. Same word here, it says, steadfast, immovable. And then Terry shared at the end of his message, or during his message, about a few situations. And, you know, he said, if, if you believe, like I said earlier, if you believe God will provide, that he will bring in the power, that he will empower you to do what he's asked you to do. And here's the thing. All of this is true. I mean, all of this, all these points that are in here are all true. All things are possible to him who believes. Obstacles will arise. Not a bad confession is just going to happen. So then you're prepared with the word of God to overcome them because the word always overcomes. But it all happens according to your faith. And that you have faith. You have faith planted on the inside of you. Then faith begins to grow. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It says so in Hebrews chapter 10, 17, I think. But faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And if you will envelop yourself in this Word, if you will begin to read it and you will begin to, to find out what it says and ask God to enlighten you, because I'm telling you, some of this stuff can be a little difficult. Granted, it, it takes a little bit, but you do have the mind of Christ. He will enlighten you. Spiritual things are, are revealed spiritually in your life. Maybe you didn't ever have Jesus in your life and you never had the power of the Holy Spirit operating and none of this made any sense. There's a reason. It's not supposed to. But if you will receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you open yourself up to him, to your spirit, he, he will begin to take this stuff and make it make sense to you. 
I mean, there's days I go out here going, dude, did you, did you get that? Man, I read that like a million times, but that was amazing. And we've been going to church here for a long time. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's all right. I'm sure I need it. My son writes things down like I do. When I saw him in his room writing them down, it was all on these little scraps of ripped up pieces of paper and everything else, and he was pulling them out of pockets and finding them and stuff. I was like, yeah, my boy. No need for organization, son. But if you look back at the centurion, see, Jesus said to him, see, he, each one of these situations, some of them are what Terry shared, some of them aren't. But, but with the centurion, he said, go your way. And as you believed, as you have believed, so let it be done to you. See, Jesus wanted to come to his house, and he said, hey, hey you don't have to come. I understand authority. Whatever you speak, whatever you say, I, I'm a guy who does that, and the people do those things. He gets taken care of, and it is done. And I understand that if you say the same thing because of who you are and the authority that you have as the Son of God, then whatever you speak, it will be done. I get it. You don't have to come to my house. Just say it. And Jesus said, hey. Now, what, what's he saying to the disciples? Come on, fellas, have faith in God. And he's always telling them, come on. Come on, fellas. And here comes this dude walking along and says, hey, I get it. I mean, you don't have to go to seminary, seminary to get it. I mean, just understand it. Just get it. And then if you go back, there's all kinds of different stories. But the paralytic with the bed, Terry talked about that one on that Wednesday night. They tore the roof off the joint. That's why I said, this is raising the roof, man. Are you ready to raise the roof in your life? Tear it off and get to what's there. In this summertime, June, July, man. June, July. Continue to go. Continue to grow. Continue to boom. Man, be somebody different in two months. Somebody twice as big and twice as powerful and twice as anointed as you are today. Not just to go out and preach like I shared on Wednesday. This is, the Holy Spirit is here to empower you to do what God's called you to do. Go out and be the best at it that you could ever be. But you can't without this. Jesus said to that guy, hey, your sins are forgiven. Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. They kind of chastised him a little bit for the forgiveness of sin. But he's kind of like, yeah, what do you want me to do? I mean, hail him or tell him, you know, I mean, there was a point behind that. But he said, arise, take up your bed and go. The lady with the issue of blood, she fought through the crowd. Jesus knew something had left him, but she decided, you know what? I've done everything. She didn't come up, tug on his garment and say, hey, 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 do you know of a doctor I don't know? I mean, she didn't come up and say, hey, hey, hey. She just said, dude, if I can just touch him, if I could just touch him, I know, I know I would be made well. And so she pushes through the crowd and she touches him. Jesus speaks to her in the end says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Like that, boom, instant, moment with Jesus. But see, it was a moment with Jesus with somebody who believed. And if you believe in that moment that you touch Jesus, he will empower you. That's why I said in the beginning of the service, open up your arms, open up your heart. Allow his presence to flow through your life. On Wednesday night, you know, it was the same kind of thing. Practice his presence in this place. Throw your hands up and just get quiet before him. Sing before him, praise before him, whatever that is. But you've got to begin to practice his presence because his presence is that thing that zooms through you, that takes out the junk and empowers you in those places. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way to get it done in your life. You've got to open yourself up to it. If you only do it for five minutes a week on Sundays, then it's not going to make it. It's only going to get you so far. And then because you're not growing, you become stagnant. Stagnant stinks and you end up going backward. But if you'll continue to do that, he'll continue to grow you. I'm all for rest. I'm all for relaxation. I mean, that's what summer's about, kind of kicking back with the family a little bit, taking some time at night when we have the sun that's up till midnight, you know, and go out and do things and, you know, spend time on the weekends having picnics and going to the pool. I'm, all for, I'm not saying don't do any of that. I'm just saying sometime in your day now as you begin to go, begin to, begin to focus on what God has for you next. 
say, man, I'm going to resign. This is going to be the best summer that I've ever had. I think every day is going to be the best day. I mean, it's going to be a great trip. I'm going to Florida. Yes. Yay, praise God. Then when I come back, you know what? It's going to be the greatest end of June that there ever was. It's going to be the greatest July. August is going to be awesome. Man, then all of a sudden September is going to come. Yeah. I love the fall. Man, fall's great. Weather's good. Things going on. It's all crisp and clear. You get up in the morning, breathe in that cool air, pray, praise God, see things in the, man, I mean, see, and then, oh, man, it's October. October, we might be going to the Sudan. Woo, man, that'll be good, too. Get out to the Sudan. November will come. Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. Get to give thanks. December's here. Woo, Christmas, my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I got my order right. I put me behind, you know. But, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, do you think that way? Or do you think, oh, gosh. Here we go. You know, I don't know if I, I mean, we're, you know, that's, you got to have this other idea. You got to have this, man, I'm going to push through the crowd. I don't care what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab a hold of Jesus. I'm going to get what I need. And you don't have to come up here. You don't have to go to the altar. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know what that situation is, but in your life, I know you can grab the hem of his garment in your house, in your car. You can do it anywhere. Blind Bartimaeus, you know, he's screaming on the side of the road. His friends told him to be quiet. I preached about this a couple months ago. But when, when he had an encounter with Jesus, Jesus said, go your way, your faith. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Now, Jesus was the one who brought the power on the scene. Jesus was the one who was anointed to be there. There was a moment in time where they were going to be right there with Jesus. But did they step out? Did they push out? Did they tear the roof off? Did they cry out? Did they reach out? What did they do in their life? When they did those things, what it did was it showed that they believed. Their faith began to grow. And I don't know what made them do it. Have you ever been someplace and you've been like this and all of a sudden you went, Okay! It could have been that way. I mean, it could have been. The lady from the issue of blood could have been sitting there thinking, oh, I know. That's the guy. That's the guy. This is it. This is it. Just like us at an altar call, right? Oh, come on. Make my heart stop beating. It's not that big a deal. It'll be okay. He'll be here next week. It'll be all right. No, I got to go get it now. And off she went, pushed through the crowd, and just grabbed a hold of this thing. Yeah. See, believers, we got to get to that point. Good, bad, or ugly. I, I, I want to be at that point. I've I got horrible things going on. I face stuff. i got obstacles. But I, I, it doesn't matter. I can still be at that point. I can still be growing. I can still be going. I can still be doing all that stuff. Just like you. Just like each one of you. It's time to fight through, you know, to cry out and to tear the roof off the joint. Are you positioned to do that in your life? It's a question that I ask today. Let's stand up. Amen. God is good. God is good. This is going to be a great, great summer. God knows where you are. And God knows what you face today. And if it's the devil that stole all those things from you in your life, he's a God of restoration. And today is a day for him to restore in your life. Maybe you're just saying, hey, you know, I hadn't thought about summer being a time of growth. I just thought about summer being summer. And you know what? When August comes, I'll be ready to, I'll grow then. If you're like me, the experience that I've had when I've done that is August is out of control and it blows me away. And I can't handle what happened. You have to prepare in June and July for what God's about to do in your life and in this church in August. So today with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just get real with God. If you're here and you say, you know what, restoration, the devil's been beating me around, stealing from me for all these years, but I, I heard you say that God is a restoring God and I want to see that in my life. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now, different than any of the others. I've been in that place and that is not a good place to be. But you say, today, I want, I want to be touched. I want to touch the hem of his garment and be restored. Is there anybody? Just another minute, and then we're going to move on. 
I see you. I see you. Why don't you two come on down here for me real quick. Come on down here and stand up here next to Sandy. Come up here and stand next to Sandy. Give them a hand as they come. Restore. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.